Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Life Series, Part 2, by Tattooed Laura on AO3. Rating, General Audiences. Chapter 13, Muddler's Sense. The zoo on Saturday was an experience. Ellie got to deal with Maggie, and Mulder and Scully got to deal with five kids hopped up on sugar and kangaroos, pandas, and penguins. It was a sight to behold, and by the end of the day, Mulder was torn between buying the stuffed koala or the platypus for himself. Scully quietly ushered him out of the gift shop, empty-handed, steering him towards the children who were sitting half asleep on a bench by the exit. But I wanted to get one of them. My fish need something to stare at, aside from each other. Your fish don't care. They forget where they are every three seconds. It would probably scare them every time they turned around. He hadn't thought of that, and complied, slipping his hand under Betsy's arms to pick her up, flopping her noodle head against his shoulder gently. Good point. No scaring the fishes. Lord, he needed a nap. She gave the kids until they started the car to be asleep, and knowing she would be driving... She gave Mulder until they hit cruising speed, before he slipped into his own concrete coma. Jake took her hand. I'm tired, Aunt Dana. When are we going to be able to transport to the car, like in Star Trek? Hopefully sooner than later, Mr. Jake, and even more hopefully, transporters will come with Scottish men to run them. Ears perking up, Mulder gave her a leer. Got a thing for the Scottish brogue, huh? Winking at him. Although I bet you in a kilt would work just as well. Sam, stumbling and sleepy, took a hold of Hannah's hand as they came to the parking lot entrance. You can't wear underwears, Uncle Muddler, if you're going to wear a kilt. Would make summer a lot cooler, probably. Sam wrinkled his nose, and Betsy picked her head up enough to interject. Everybody needs underwears, Uncle Muddler. Mine say Tuesday today. But it's Saturday, kid. Head back down, buried in neck. It's okay. My underwears don't care. Mulder was forced to hug her tighter, amused by smallness and sleepy honesty. I'm glad they don't. I have on my Wednesday socks. He felt her smile. True to her predictions, they were all asleep by the first major cross street, Scully relishing the silence, then realizing she missed their voices, a small ache in her heart at the thought of them going home on Thursday. Reaching absently over for Mulder's hand, she toyed with his thumb, wondering if he'd miss them too, or he'd be glad to have the peace and quiet back to hunt his aliens and bitch at the world. Hoping for a little of both, she guided them home through traffic and heat, the radio low, the air cool. Sunday was spent under the sprinklers, homemade plastic tarp slip and slide accompanying the afternoon, running the lawn and grass stains spreading from neck to toe. None of them had laughed that much in a long time, especially when they conjoled Aunt Dana to take a run, soaking her with buckets of water first and creating a slight panic when she slid not on the plastic but across the mud, face first, legs akimbo, fingers bending, wrists twisting. In the end, however, after that moment of, holy shit, am I broken or dead? She popped up, arms in the air, throwing a tada to the world before slipping right back down on her butt. Mulder had to hose her off. He enjoyed it a little too much. Once she was dry again, she disappeared to the kitchen and returned to the deck, 
laden with mounds of vegetables to grill and fat pieces of chicken breast, plump and marinating for future consumption. At one point, grill hot and veggies well-seasoned, Mulder hovering too close, receiving a random swat on the rear end to shoo him away, mushrooms stolen before retreat, wiggling eyebrows aimed at her before unceretipishly slipping Toby, the accosted vegetable. Wondering whether to yell at him, she watched Toby smile up at her partner, his very own ten-foot-tall food ninja with heroic adoration. She gave Mulder another mushroom and part of a pepper instead. He passed them along to his four-year-old friend and received an even bigger smile. Everyone, dried, stuffed, and relaxed, spread across the lawn, some reading in the hammock, one coloring at the picnic table, others simply lying there, watching bugs or chasing ants with blades of grass. Mulder looked out at them, then nudged Scully with his elbow. Do you think the kids would like a tour of the FBI? See where we work. Maybe take them through the labs in the modern area. Tomorrow? Sure. Scully shifted, looking out at the playing group. Hey, guys. All stopped, but Sam answered, Yeah. Would you like to go with Uncle Mudler tomorrow and see the FBI building? The resounding yes made her smile. Are you sure you want to take them all? I mean, that's five kids to keep track of, including a borderline shiny things I'm running away four-year-old who occasionally forgets he has to use the bathroom. Settled on the pullout, resting his hand on her hip. Have some faith, woman. I've wrangled five fish before. I can't imagine this will be any more difficult than that. Well, now you're just scaring me. About to reach for the, her phone to text Betsy or Janet to take Maggie to her appointment the next day so she could go along and assist, Mulder read her mind and pulled her back by the elbow. I'm joking. There were at least ten fish. And we'll be fine. It'll be fun. Scare the children straight before they even have a chance to think about going crooked. This did not alleviate her anxiety, but the voice quietly calling down the stairs did. Uncle Mudler, do I have to wear a suit? I didn't bring one. Will they still let me in? Jake? Yeah. Tell Sam he doesn't need a suit, just some clean clothes and fresh minty breath. Sam called down next. How did you know I was up here? Mudler sense. Go back to bed. Scully decided they'd be fine tomorrow, and kissing first his right cheek, then his mouth. Mudler sense. How did I ever get along without you? Wit, charm, smarts, beauty, big scary personality, and little itty-bitty body, fists of steel. Running out of steam, he shrugged. Because you're totally awesome, man. Mulder. Oh yeah, and you can surf like nobody's business. I like how that's my final selling point. Love you, Agent Scully. Love you back, Agent Mulder. Chapter 14. The FBI. Every woman in the Hoover building fell in love with Agent Mulder and his posse by the end of the day. They offered candy, compliments, conversations that, in all seriousness, would never have taken place if it was just Mulder walking the halls. Everyone was able to identify them as Scully's relatives without hesitation, amusing Mulder for a while, until he began to think too hard, once again, about having small, red-headed, predominantly-nosed prodigy with his diminutive partner. Sometimes, his brain was a big, fat, giant pain in the ass. Eventually, however, they were back in the basement, 
snacking on items from Scully's not-so-secret stash of Mulder's pissing me off and I need sugar supplements. Sam, first to finish his Twinkie. Uncle Mudler, are we going to get to meet Walter? Geez, he had to stop referring to his boss as Walter at home. Do you want to? I mean, he's just a really tall, bald guy who likes to yell at me and tell your aunt to keep me on a tighter leash. Sam grinned, but he's a director of the FBI. Of course we want to meet him. He's like a god in this place, isn't he? More like a cranky principal. Even better, we all know how to deal with those. It didn't take long to arrange with Skinner to come up there, and soon they were trooping to the elevator. Mulder, fighting the sudden and irrepressible urge to tell them to tuck in shirts and tie shoelaces and whisper at them to behave. And the most unnerving of them all, he really, really wanted to lick his palm and smush down the cowlick Toby was sporting on the crown of his head. He fought all the urges, however, remembered how he despised when his mother did even one damn one of those things well into his teens. Feeling better that he wasn't turning into his mother, he let Toby push the button, and all at once, they were standing as a unified pack, staring up at Walter Skinner, who looked at least ten feet tall and more stern than any principal they'd ever met. Sam wanted to be him when he grew up. Betsy wanted to hide behind Uncle Mudler. Toby just stared, slack-mouthed, wondering if he'd ever be that big. Skinner scratched his head, looking at them all critically. Did Mulder take your fingerprints? Sam shook his head. No, we couldn't get them done. They were too busy downstairs. Skinner smiled. Luckily, I have a kit in my desk, and I'm not busy at all. He was their new best friend. Two hours later, after they'd been fingerprinted, learned how to dust the office for prints, gotten their own FBI wallet, presented to them, current picture and all, then gleefully appeared on wanted posters. They all settled on the couches for a small snack of payday mini bars and bottles of water. Mulder pulled Skinner aside. How did you set this up? Did Scully call you or something? I have pool, Agent Mulder. Don't question it. Scully had to have called him that morning and asked him to clear a few hours. The shit that woman could get Walter Skinner to do was phenomenal at times. Snacks done, they were all clumped together, thanking Skinner over and over again, asking if he'd like to come to dinner, asking how old they had to be to join the FBI, asking if their badges could get their parents out of speeding tickets. Deciding hurting cats might be easier, Mulder shook his head. Then he watched, in terrifying confusion, as the glass windows of his boss's office exploded inward. His five children forced to the ground through shockwave physics as a billowing cloud rising up from the street drifted inside. Chapter 15. Unthinkable. A second and third explosion followed. Tall building reverberations shaking bones, cacophonous echoing shaking souls. Mulder reacted a second faster than Skinner, diving for Sam, who was already trying to stand, pulling him back down just as Skinner reached for Betsy. Stay on the ground. Go towards the other door, not the main door. Following orders blindly, Sam began crawling, remembering only after he'd gone a few feet that the other kids were still behind him. Looking over his shoulder to see Hannah on his heels, the other three close behind, he wobbled as Skinner skirted past them, checking the side door before letting them into a small conference room. No windows, no smoke, no terrible smell. Once they were gathered, Mulder, bringing up the rear and Skinner making sure both doors were locked. The grown men looked at each other, 
silent conversation slinging across the open space between them. Then both looked at Sam. Are you hurt? Are you okay? Recognizing the words, Sam heard them repeated twice more before he felt hands on him, feeling arms probing head, finding his voice. Yeah, yes, I'm, I'm fine. What happened? As Mulder and Skinner worked their way through quick yet thorough exams of the rest of the group, always listening, never stopping, Mulder answered, I don't know, exchanging another look with his boss, which told Sam he had his suspicions, however. But regardless, since you're all okay, we need to move. There's a staircase down the hall to the right. We're going to take that all the way down and come out the back of the building. Before he could go any further, the main lights went out, the emergency lights came on, and the fire alarm started. As a collective, all five children slapped their hands over their ears, but Mulder shook his head, pulling Sam away. You need to listen to me. We need your help. Can you carry Toby on your back? Skinner needs to go first, and I'm going to be last, and I don't know if Toby or Betsy can keep up. So if you can take Toby, I can carry Betsy. He was explaining things with authoritative clarity, repeating names, keeping them from slipping into dangerous panic, which helped calm Sam down enough to begin understanding, nodding as he turned to scoop Toby on his back. I can help Mulder. Sam watched as Betsy huddled in Mulder's arms and waited for Skinner to tell them to move. Once he was beckoned forward, he took a deep breath, coughed at the smoke, began to creep under the closed door, and cowered bravely behind the ex-Marine. Skinner slowly opened the second door, checked, then led them into the hall, staying against the wall, sure steps down the red-tinted alarm-screeching nightmare. No one else seemed to be there, the area deserted, which, in all honesty, was more unnerving than it should have been, and once they reached the stairwell, after Skinner checked again, they entered it, shutting the door behind them. The fire alarm echoed even worse than the small enclosed vertical tube, but Sam fought the urge to plug his ears again, snagging Skinner's sleeve. Where is everybody? Surveying both up and down the stairs, he motioned them to follow down. This is an out-of-the-way exit. We'll find more people once we get to the lobby. Hushing him next with a finger to his own lips. Quiet for now, okay? Sam began to suspect that both men were nervous about terrorists or someone else with guns trying to take over the building, but not about to express any of that to the rest of the group. He whispered quiet over his shoulder to a whimpering Toby and moved on. Soon, they made it down the flight of stairs, Hannah bumping him several times but never throwing him off balance. Skinner took extra care opening his door, and once he deemed it clear of possible debris, they exited into a living nightmare, the likes of which none of them could comprehend. Smoke, glass, metal, firemen, noise, a charring stench that burned their nostrils and had them all covering their noses with their t-shirts while they cowered it around Skinner. Toby simply burying his head into his cousin's back and sucking his thumb, singing his mother's lullabies softly to himself. Mulder leaned into Skinner's ear. Where should we go? The hell away from here. Taking Sam's hand, who took Hannah's, who took Jake's down the line, they followed Skinner's lead terrified of the world and focusing on nothing but the familiar body in front of them and the hand in theirs. They had to weave around burning objects and firemen in large coats shouting things over the alarms, eyes burning, tears pouring down cheeks, clean oxygen scarce, and Toby clinging tighter and tighter around Sam's neck. And suddenly, there was sunshine, room to move, 
cool air on their faces. The alarms weren't so loud here, on the sidewalk, on the opposite side of the building. Sam thought maybe they'd stop here, take a rest, but Skinner shook his head, talking over them to Mulder. We need to go a few more blocks if we can. Get far enough. Sam, suddenly ten going on ancient, heard the unspoken possibility of another explosion or possible collapse, so he readjusted Toby's vice-like grip on his neck and hiked him higher. Let's go. Skin offered Sam a very quick, very small smile of approval before he nodded towards Mulder. Ready? Mulder called from the back. Let's go. Before nudging Jake forward, getting the scraggly line moving in the direction of anywhere but there. Holding hands still, they wove through spectator crowds, Sam wanting to scream at them to go inside, go somewhere safe, get off the street, stop being stupid and start being smart, but he declined. Keeping silent, eyes focused only on Walter's back, keeping firm pressure on Hannah and praying he'd get to see his mom and dad again. Exhausted after six blocks, Skinner felt them lagging and stopped, the quiet tree-lined street polar opposite of the nightmare they'd left behind. Gathering in a group, Skinner looked at Mulder. Where do you want to go from here? Do you know anyone around here we could stop at? Mulder held up a hand, setting Betsy down first and straightening his back. One second. Where are we? After Skinner told him the cross streets, Mulder breathed a sigh of relief. The gunmen are about half a mile from here. We can go there and reassess. Skinner motioned him forward. Lead on. I'd like to get off the street as soon as possible. As Mulder passed each child, he crouched, looking them in the eye. Are you okay? Can you walk a little further? Does anything hurt? All bravely answered they were doing okay, apart from Toby, who just sucked his thumb harder and gave what they took to be a minuscule nod. Knowing that was the best he'd be getting, Mulder took lead and began walking again. Mulder led them through a maze of back alleys and around disguised as dumpsters and shopping carts surveillance equipment, knowing they were being watched long before they reached the home and office of his three friends. Frohickey met them at the door, ushering them inside without a word, taking Skinner's hand and hugging Mulder in a manly-like fashion. Are we glad to see you? Mulder nearly kissed Frohickey's bald head but refrained, instead setting Betsy down. Are the phone lines working? Cells aren't. Signals are busy all over, but internet's mostly working. Slow, but it'll get you there. You haven't called Scully yet? Not yet. Phone was in my coat in the basement, and we were up in Walter's office. She won't think to check her email, so that's useless. Any way to call Maggie's house phone? Byer shook his head. Just a busy signal. No idea if she's trying to call you, or the phone lines are jammed. We'll just have to keep trying her cell then. Taking a deep breath, he leaned on the wall. Can we sit down? Langley scrambled to clear off the couches, shoving piles of stuff to the floor, giving them a place to rest weary feet and overtaxed minds. Do you need anything to drink? Water. None of the kids answered, all choosing to pile together on one sofa, reality setting in now that they'd stopped long enough to think about it. Leaning over them, Mulder gave them one long, encompassing group hug. I love you. They all broke, tears and sobs and hiccuping panic pouring out, their hellish afternoon culminating to this very point. The gunmen hovered, but didn't help. Strangers to children, they didn't want to traumatize further. But Skinner got in there, hugging his instantly favorite child in the world to him, taking over Jake and Betsy while Mulder focused on the other three. It took several minutes, but sobs turned to sniffles, and incoherency turned to comprehension. 
Uncle Muddler, how are we going to get home to Aunt Maggie and Aunt Dana? Frohickey, bless him, swooped in like Superman. You'll go in our van. It'll hold everyone and more. It's gassed up, and from the news, traffic in your aunt's direction isn't too bad right now. Mulder looked up at him. What's the news saying? Byers shook his head. Warning Mulder to shut up. Nothing much. Investigating and such. Seeing the cues as well, Skinner stood. Then how about we get these kids home and go from there? Agreed. With his nod, Mulder held out his hand to pull Sam up. Follow Frohickey. Once the kids were moving, Langley handed Mulder a cell phone. You might get lucky. We'll keep trying too. Thanks. Seeing the littles out of earshot. Is it bad out there? All he did was nod. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.